What's good, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode six of Highly Invested, where we invest in ourselves, talk about personal finance, investing, and business, while asking entrepreneurs about investments in money, time, and energy that got them to where they are today. This episode is going to be a crash course on sustainable personal finance, and I'm going to reflect a little bit and go over how my first presentation went this past Friday, where I went to my old high school and I delivered a 50-minute interactive and engaging presentation presentation on personal finance and investing options that we have in Canada. This is something I've been working on since the beginning of August, uh, so about three months in the making. Started with 25 pages of content and narrowed it all the way down to five. So I'll explain that process to you on how I went about preparing this, and, uh, and then we'll dive into the first part of the crash course, all right? After I published the ebook, I thought about the best ways to get it out in front of people and distribute it. Now, I tried some marketing with Facebook ads. I tried some free giveaways and sharing it with people that you know and offering it for free certainly got better results than trying to actually market the product. The amount of testing that actually would go into a successful marketing campaign, a lot of work that I was not prepared to do, so I just said, okay, you know what? Screw that, I'm just gonna, you know, at least I have the book out there. It's published and material that I own, so at least I'll always have that there. Now, I had seen a lot of speakers, listening to a lot of podcasts and the idea of becoming a, a speaker or someone that is giving presentations, that was the first time I it had ever really crossed my mind, but it really seemed like it would apply quite well to my situation. I have this ebook, I had gotten the audiobook made, so I was wondering what is the best way that I could really distribute this product and this content that I have uh, in the best way possible. So I figured I could start locally, and that's where the idea of going to an old high school came in. I knew a few entrepreneurs who were giving TED Talks or giving talks at high schools and telling their stories. So the idea crossed my mind that I could potentially do that. And I had I'd known some teachers from my old high school. Two of them especially were my, my hockey coaches. So having seen them over the summer, I, I mentioned the idea that I would like to do this. They seemed very open to the idea themselves as well. But this was just me having the idea, me seeing them and me pitching them that idea. And they said, yeah, great, that'll be awesome. But then of course we go our separate ways. So it would ultimately be up to me to put the content together. And I knew that. And funny enough, I had this idea come in June and I think it took me until like mid-August to actually start. And that's what started to scare me. It was like, look, I want to do this, but I'm scared because it's so hard. I mean, just recently this year, I've created my first thing from scratch, really, but having to create an entire presentation that's relevant to 12s, grade 11s, and, and high schoolers. Um, and again, that's not my complete audience, but again, that's that's a, a target audience that I certainly think would be effective. So anyway, summer had passed and it had been mid-August and I was like, okay, I've got to grind buckle down and get this shit done. So I started putting it together. So it's quite funny how this works, but when I started in August, I remember just throwing a, a ton of themes or potential main topics down on paper, and then I would have to dive in between them and try to fill that with at least accurate statistics, um, good statistics that'll catch people's attention, and ones that'll have an impact and at least relate to a lot of people. And then going through different themes and thinking, you know, like I really want to introduce them to the financial system and how lending and borrowing and and how trading, buying and selling also happens. And I had initially had a few slides even on that, just like trying to, to paint the biggest picture possible. But a lot of the stuff that I had included at the beginning had to be trimmed because I was talking to 16 year olds and not, you know, 25 year olds that actually have money. So when I started Amazing How That Works, You Can Always Surprise Yourself, I actually started writing down some, some stuff and trying to pull my links. And before I knew it, I had 25 pages of information. But 
that's when I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, if I try to read this out myself, it's gonna take me four hours. So I narrowed it down to about 12 pages and started testing it with people, some friends. Um, my uncle used to be in sports broadcasting, so and he's done freelance as, as a videographer, so he definitely has experience, but he was the one that told me that I was like, hey, like you've got a great mission statement here. You've got a great cause and a great reason to be doing this, but you're gonna put them to sleep. Like there's too much words, too much numbers. And I was never one to, you know, put PowerPoint presentations together in high school or anything. I didn't jump on the opportunity because at the time I didn't see the value. Now I'm like, well, shit, I'm creating this for the first time ever. A lot of fun. Anyways, fast forward to about a month testing with more people. Um, and then at this time, it's also when it's like, hey, you should probably get some interactive games. You need to get these kids involved. You need to get them thinking or at least showing them something that they didn't know before they came to the presentation. So that's where I, I got the idea of writing, well, an investment game where they end up buying four anonymous investment vehicles two stocks, two ETFs. They ride them from 2007 to 2019. So, you know, the first five years are the toughest for them to hold on, but they don't realize that they're holding on through the worst financial crisis in the history that we've ever seen. So that's quite neat. And then I also have this game that I included where it's trying to show them the value of money and offering them choices in life, things that are important to them. Now, if they can choose good money habits, it shows them that they can get more freedom and opportunity. And if they don't choose good money habits, then they're working for the rest of their life. So those two games added, added a nice dynamic to get the kids involved and at least thinking but the rest of the material too was was important to put them into story form and not just throw facts at them. You know, in some ways you can, but you've got to present some sort of a story so that it's easier to listen to than someone, you know, coming and blabbing content in your face. Now, ended up narrowing that down from 10 pages to five, cut out a whole lot of material that I didn't want to, but at the end of the day, it was necessary. Um, I think I'd only really finished it on Monday and then the presentation was on Friday the 25th. So I had a few more days to memorize it completely, but I had pretty much memorized the whole thing. Anyways, I showed up at school to see the old teacher. He, he let me upstairs, went into the library. Everything worked out quite well. They had a clicker that I could use. I set up my laptop to the HDMI and good amount of students turned up. There was about 50 of them there and um, the presentation started and went well. I, I'm pretty proud of, of how I put it all together and I was able to deliver it pretty much all the way through without looking at any cue cards. I was confident enough and what what makes me the happiest is that I think a lot of the quieter students that that weren't ones speaking up or making noise or distracting others, because of course there were a couple of students chatting, but at the same time, a lot of the quiet ones looked like they were glued. And, and that meant a lot because I do think that most people, especially when you're younger and you haven't formed your own solid ideas around money yet, people are open to, you know, there are people out there that are open to hearing new facts and new information and then they can use that to formulate their opinion. And I respect the shit out of those people. They are becoming adults and they are need, they need these facts to form their opinions. And I think a lot of them were interested. And that was something that uh, was a big takeaway, especially some facts around credit, telling them how credit cards were invented in 1950 and how credit card how much money they make off interest simply translated from people not knowing how to use their credit cards properly so a lot of these stats and the fees showing them how the fees affect it um, and these are all things guys that I'm going to cover in the next uh, two podcast episodes so feel free to listen through a lot of these things some things I didn't expect to hit were more impactful and others that I, I did expect to hit were less impactful so nonetheless I'm very happy with how it went you know the students were pretty engaged and a good amount of them were talking up and answering questions. Some had more smart ass answers than others. And of course that's normal, but as someone as well that has two years or at least two and a half years of teaching experience, let me tell you, it felt great to get back up there 
and to be in front and to be delivering content that I wanted to deliver and content that I created. That felt really nice. So for anyone, you know, listening and, and has ever had, had the idea that they could create something new and put on a show like this and provide value, it can be done. It just, it does take a lot of mental preparation and you've got to take a lot of small steps in order to really get moving. I didn't ask anyone permission to to write this. I decided I'm going to do it anyways. And then once I have it done, I'm going to, you know, let the teachers know and I'm going to present it. So now I'm just very, very happy that I I stuck to it because I, I have a great piece of content now that I can go deliver at other schools. And, you know, this was just the first presentation, obviously, but I hope that I can go deliver, you know, many more and get the exposure and but at the same time give the ebook away for free i know these students might not read it and that's why i actually got the audiobook made so that they can even listen to it but if anyone wants this free information it will be there and it's a two-hour investment in reading or listening but having being exposed to that like two three times in your lifetime will just give you a much better basis and understanding around money and you know if I can do many more talks down the line and if this can eventually become a full-time gig for me that would just be spectacular right that's kind of what I am working towards but I know that it takes time so as discouraging as it can be to to keep on going it's super important to just keep your head up and if something makes you happy and you can put your finger on that and figure out a way to and well for me it's it's personal finance it's financial literacy it's it's just business and finance in general i love it and it's my passion so if i can find a way to eventually monetize you know educating people on perspectives about money and strategies that they didn't have before shit doesn't get much better than that right that being said this episode will be part one of the presentation that I give. I give it in two parts, usually personal finance and investing, but this one's gonna be part one, personal finance, and the next episode I do, episode seven, will be part two of investing and investing options that you have in Canada. Now that one is a bit more detailed, so I'm gonna take more time on that, and that's why this one, it's more just gonna be giving you an idea of how expensive life is in Canada and ways that you can, you know, not get trapped into spending lots of money and at the same time just giving you good educational information on credit debt strategies for balancing your checking and savings account how to budget and then eventually how to start building that emergency fund so once your checks and balances are in line you can begin investing for the long run over time so i am here to talk to you today about the language of money do you want to be rich or do you want to travel listen up because if you want the freedom to do these things you have to save a bit of money so let me tell you a story i graduated in university in 2013 and moved to South Korea in 2014 to teach English as a second language. It changed my life. The plan was to go for one year. I stayed for two. In 2016, my ex-girlfriend and I visited Canada for a month, spending time in the Rocky Mountains in Ottawa before traveling again for 15 months through Asia, Europe, visiting 16 countries before settling down in South Africa, where my ex was from. It was the most lit time in my life, and I made unforgettable memories. Pretty cool to go shark cage diving with a Hollywood actor cheering you on. Yeah, Tracy Morgan was on our boat in Hansby, South Africa. It was pretty awesome when we went cage diving with great white sharks. Now, do you want to know how I did this, though? I got the opportunity and the freedom because I saved money. I wanted to travel, so every time I got paid, I sent $1,200 home, and I lived off of the rest. So by March 2016, I had almost $30,000. So when I visited home, I blindly invested 10,000 of it with an advisor and the other 20,000 got me 15 months of no work and all play. If you have a goal, step one is to just save a bit of money for it. And it's that much more likely you can make that goal happen. Now in May, 2017, I, I missed home and I was running out of money. So I came back to Canada. And that's when I got some bad news about my investment. 
Turns out, I owed CRA Canada Revenue Agency $1,500 because I invested when I was a non-resident. What? The financial advisor knew I wasn't living in Canada. How did he not know the rules of the product that he was selling me, though? You know, I, I blame it on myself now for not having done the research, but at the time I was very angry at the financial advisor. Regardless, I'm glad this happened because this is the fire that got lit under my ass that put me on this grind to learn about finance and how money works. So I'm very grateful that that happened. Because of that so-called professional costing me 1500 bucks, I decided to teach myself about investing. Now fast forward to 2019 after lots of trial and error, I've set myself up nicely and I've learned so much. Basics that everyone should know, which has inspired the blog uh, at makemorecapital.com, the brand Make More Capital, which, which turned into the ebook Grown Money, a practical guide to personal finance and direct investing, the audiobook, and you know, now the podcast and the presentations are the next way I'm trying to extend my reach. With that, I'm here to give you the factual information that will help you manage your money sustainably and build wealth for your future goals. So the first question I ask is, how old are you now? And, and how old do you hope to be when you die? Now, I got this question from uh, a guy I heard on a podcast with, with Bo Humphreys at the Personal Finance Show, uh, a man named David Jenkins. He's a really bright man that self-taught investor. And so I got on a call with him and asked him some questions. And this was one of those lines that he says he uses because it, it stuns the audience. They don't think you're going to ask them something so raw as when are you going to die? But it's it's a very effective way to actually look at your investing horizon. Because if you plan to live until you're 90, and right now you're 18 years old, for example, you have 72 years to grow your money. If you're 28 years old, you have 63 years to grow your money if you plan to live until you're 90. So if you didn't waste any more time and got that money invested as soon as possible, you would be benefiting from 63 years of growth all the way until that day that you plan to die. Unfortunately, that cannot be planned, but it just goes to show that if you start early, time will do the rest to grow your money. If we don't teach people how to manage money, people grow up believing that they could not learn to manage money, so they never even bothered. And I find this crazy. With a bit of financial education, Canadians can save hundreds of thousands of dollars over their lifetime just by knowing their options. And right now, we're currently living in the information age. Everything you need to know about business and investing is readily available online. When years ago, you needed a broker to access information and make trades for you. Now you can do your own research and buy any investment product through your fingertips. It's with your smartphone, it's, it's wild. Now, the more money you manage to keep, the more freedom and opportunity you'll have. And life gets expensive, so it's your money habits that actually determine where you end up over time. Now is the most carefree time in your life. And again, this presentation is for the younger audience. But if you're 30 in my eyes, you are still young. If you're 40 in my eyes, you are still young. So get out there, try new things, and learn new skills that can make you money. Now get ready to pick your jaw up off the floor, please. Some financial facts about life in Canada. Canadians pay the highest investment fees in the world for equity mutual funds. MER stands for Management Expense Ratio, a fancy word for fee. Now 2.35% doesn't seem like a lot, but wait until I show you later how the fees work. Or wait till I tell you later, I guess, in this version. Now, what are the average costs of some of our most prized traditions in Canada? The average cost of a wedding is $30,000. The average divorce rate in Canada is now 38%, and a civil divorce is roughly $1,300, whereas a messy one can cost upwards to $12,800. The average cost of a home in Ottawa is $382,000. The average cost of a child when they are a baby, ten dollars to $15,000 a year. When they turn 18, upwards to $257,000. 
The average cost of a funeral, $7,000 to $15,000. The average consumer debt in Canada is $20,891. Now, according to the sources I found, half, Cana half of Canadians don't have any debt, which is great, but the half that do have a shit ton of it. So they kind of counteract those uh, that average. Um, how much money has been given to students that has not been paid back for school? $28 billion. There is still so much outstanding student debt out there that many student federations have been protesting to, to stop interest payments for students because they're just so far gone. Debt has become very common and the average person takes on debt to buy a house or to go to school if your parents don't pay for it. Now, everyone will go into debt at some point in their life, so when you do, just make sure you pay off the debt as soon as possible and pay the debt with the highest interest rate first. That way, it doesn't snowball and compound negatively out of control at a rate that you can't pay it off. The sooner you pay off debt, you stop paying extra interest, you become free from it, and you have more time to grow your money. Now, when you open a bank account, you join the financial system. Now, a checking account comes with a Visa debit card and you can buy stuff online, offline, transfer money to your friends and more. Now, this seems fun and all, but with great power comes great responsibility. So if you want to get rich, you need to learn to make some of your money work for you. How do you do this? Pay yourself first. Get into this habit. Save 10% of every payment you earn, minimum 10% and live off the other 90%. This teaches you to save and to live within your means. If you start early, when you're young and you don't have expenses like rent or insurance, you could get a huge head start. It's, it's something that I reflect back on because when I was young, I had really no interest in business or making money on my own. I knew that I could get a job and I could make money that way. And I remember thinking that, you know, if I could get a job driving a, you know, as a bus driver, I'd be pretty set for life. Now, unfortunately, I think maybe going out to travel and expose myself to a lot of the world and, and fun and opportunity out there, that killed my ability to just work a job and exchange my time for money because I can no longer do that anymore. But so I'm just saying, if you, if you look at Warren Buffett, when he started invest, he started investing at 14 years old. So. If you are a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, 16-year-old that has some ideas and you're smart and you understand business and customer service and how you can actually make money, you can get out there and make money. Take that initiative. Get going early and people will notice. And that is just the sign of somebody who is raised to think differently and understands the values of business and knowing that if you can provide value to others, you will be sustainable and you will be able to always have an income coming in if somebody needs or wants the service or product that you can provide to them. So for example, just sending $20 into a savings account from the age of 16 to 25, you end up with $2,160. By saving 50 a month, you end up with $5,400. By saving 100 a month, you end up with $10,800. By saving 200 a month, you end up with 21,000 something. I don't have the numbers in front of me, so this is just going off my memory. But if you can save $250 a month, even starting at 16 to 25, you'll have $27,000 after that nine years. That will pay for your school if you're in Canada. So just know that having that money accessible that you save gives you options, right? Now, any sports fans out there, well, it's a common myth that once you make a lot of money, you'll be secure. Well, <laughs> that's not exactly true. Think of all these athletes. Sports Illustrated once reported that 70% of NFL players are either broke or in under financial stress within two years of retiring, and 60% of NBA players go broke within five years after retiring. These numbers are crazy. Look at Mike Tyson. He made over 300 million in his career, but in 2003, he had to file for bankruptcy because he had so much debt. How do you go into debt? 
when you've made $300 million in your career, right? These are large-scale examples, but they're not a money-making issue. And it goes to show that it's not usually a money-making issue. It's always a spending issue. So the most simple yet effective tool to manage spending is a budget, or what I prefer to call a spending plan. Simply add up all the money you made, your income, and subtract all the money you spent, your expenses. If you make $3,000 a month and you spend $3,000 a month, you've made $0. So a budget helps you stay out of debt and figure out how much you can save while living the lifestyle you want. All you need is a spreadsheet or an app on your phone. I recommend using Mint by Intuit. It's a great app. It's so easy to use. You simply add your bank account and it does all the budget work for you. If you don't have a budget app, get Mint now. You only need two bank accounts to save money as well. And this is the basis of sustainable finance. A checking account is where your cash lives and a savings account is where you're going to put it to save. Either a high interest savings account at 2% growth annually or you can use a tax-free savings account once you turn 18 in Canada. And I will elaborate more on the tax-free savings account in the following investing episode. But a tax-free savings account is what you want to use when you begin investing in Canada because you don't get taxed on gains in the account and you can withdraw money tax-free. Now, your checking account is used to get paid, send money to your savings, and pay off your credit card when you get one. So make sure, remember, to pay yourself first, set up automatic deposits with online banking and send a set amount of money once a month or a bit every paycheck, but think 10% minimum. And you have to automate it, set it and forget it so that you never have to think about it. Now lastly, the sneaky debt card. Credit is borrowed money. You can use now, but you must pay back later at a set date in the future. It's a high interest loan. So this is not free money as people learn the hard way. If you use a credit card, pay it off as soon as possible. If you don't have the cash, sadly, that's a sign that you can't afford what you wanna buy. Now, the two main reasons why you want to pay off credit ASAP and not owe interest, credit cards are big businesses. Credit was invented in 1950. Before then, there was no giving away money and having people indebted to you until they could pay it off. Guess how much money credit card companies made from interest alone in 2016? $63.4 billion with a B, okay? And it's estimated that by 2020, they will make over 100 billion in interest alone. That's from people not knowing how to use credit cards. Isn't that insane? The second reason you need to pay off your debt ASAP is because it reflects on your adult report card, your credit score. Your credit score is used by banks, brokers, creditors, and landlords to determine A, your trustworthiness with money, and B, the interest rate you will pay when you borrow money. All it takes is two missed payments to ruin years of good credit. And the main thing that factors that factors into your credit score is your payment history, 35%. So make sure you pay it off on time every time and you will not suffer the consequences in your score. Now, what makes up the score as well is your ability to pay your mortgage, your ability to pay a line of credit, your ability to pay your utility bills, your cell phone bills, and your student loan bills on time. So if you're young, you might not be paying those now, but God forbid, hopefully by the time you're 25, you're able to take these uh, responsibilities into your own hands and start paying for them while you've hopefully saved up a bit of money and are able to start paying yourself first and invest with that, that head start that you've built for yourself. All it takes is two missed payments to ruin years of good credit. So make sure you get your credit score as high as possible and you pay off that debt so that you're not giving extra money away in the form of interest. Some debt can be considered good debt, like going to school or a mortgage because you are paying something off 
in order to to have a, a possibility in the future to hopefully work and make more money with the degree that you get or to sell your home for for a gain in the future but most of the debt that i'm talking about is consumer debt using a credit card so you know frivolous spending on things you don't need with money that you don't have or toxic habits and just not paying your bills. Now, if you are someone with debt, I encourage you to just try and start paying that off and, and getting out of debt because then you'll ultimately have freedom to, to create your own life. Debt is something that a lot of people are embarrassed about and it sucks, but it's become so normal that like most people are in a sticky situation with debt. Now, if you are in debt and you wanna get out, I suggest you start paying your debt first. Take the debt with the highest interest rate and go down or take the debt with the lowest interest rate and the debt that you hate the most and try and knock that out first and work your way up regardless, but you've just gotta be putting whatever extra money you can into that debt to get it down and stop paying interest as soon as you can. And if you ever need the encouragement or just some guidance, or you do have debt and you wanna ask questions, please feel free to reach out to me. You can contact me through uh, makemorecapital at gmail.com or find me on Instagram at makemorecapital and send me a DM. You know, sustainable money management is the key to relieving stress, I think. As I found in a lot of people that I've talked to, if you're not good with your money, stress seems to be a thing. Just want people to know that the more comfortable people get managing their own finances, the easier it gets and the more opportunity opens up. So to make sure that you're practicing sustainable personal finance, all you really need to do is try to get out of debt. And once you're out of debt, start saving a bit of money. And to save a bit of money, use a budget and pay yourself 10% minimum first. And if you use a credit card, pay it off as soon as possible. That's really all you need to do for sustainable personal finance. Now, once you get into the investing sphere, it gets a lot more complex. I will only focus on financial instruments, but that is going to be it for this episode, everybody. That was the personal finance crash course. It's really simple. That's it. It's just the mindset that understanding that if you pay yourself first, it's going to go a much longer way when you get older. And if you can have the vision to see that long term, you can put it into action and make it happen. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. That is it for episode six and personal finance part one. Now you can find me on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, and Radio Public. And of course, you can find the podcast at anchor.fm slash highly invested. I know it's not on Apple Podcasts yet. I am looking into the best ways to get it on there. I'll probably just have to go straight to the source. But anyways, hopefully I can get it on there as well. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, please feel free to share it with some friends. Pass it on to, uh, to a loved one or a coworker, And just uh, share the good vibes because I just want to help people manage their money better so that they can live their best lives and their best versions of themselves possible. So everybody, this is Highly Invested and your host Jordan signing off. So everyone stay highly invested in yourselves. We'll see you soon.